Can you guess why anyone wants to steal Google business model? Well, I'm going to leave out uh, a link to a graphic in this episode so you can understand what I'm talking about. But uh, I was looking at uh, the profit margins and the difference between Google and the New York Times. Now, the New York Times is a quite successful, probably the most successful brand when it comes to publishing. And the interesting part is that if you look at the comparison in terms of profit margins between Google and New York Times in 2022, Google stands at a you know, staggering 21.2% in profit margins, whereas uh, the New York Times stands at 7.5%. From this alone, you can actually understand a little bit uh, the, the main difference between the two. And there is more to it, actually. Let me, let me give a little bit more in detail. Now, Google created the most lucrative media business without being a publisher. That's the, the trick here. And, uh, you know, Google enabled millions of websites across the web to monetize their content without bearing the responsibility for what they published. Indeed, the interesting part is if you take a business model like, uh, for instance, the New York Times, do you have any idea of how many people the New York Times employed into the journalism uh, operations? Well, as of 2022, of uh, 5,800 employees at the New York Times, actually 45% of those, so 2,600, were employed into the journalism operations. So it means, again, that the New York Times, to actually be a successful publisher and differentiate itself into the market as a publisher, it needs to invest a massive amount of resources into journalism. And, uh, you know, if we look at the numbers, it's quite interesting because the number of people that uh, New York Times has employed into the journalism operations between, between 22 to, uh, uh, sorry, 2020 to 2022 actually grew uh, by uh, 25% because uh, 36% of the total employees were employed into, um, you know, journalist operations in 2020 compared to 45% in 2022. And my bet is actually the New York Times uh, over the years, next like three to five years, is going to even uh, more invest into journalism operation. And that might sound uh, counterintuitive in the era of AI written content. But if you're someone like the New York Times, the first thing that you want to do is just to actually uh, highlight and emphasize your differentiation compared to any other publisher that is going to be doing AI published content, where instead you're going to have more and more journalism operations within your business. And can you guess instead how many journalists Google has employed over the years or like for instance today? Well, the answer may be well at zero, meaning that no one is employed as a journalist because of course Google is an engineering business and even though it's one of the most successful media companies out there of the last you know, 20, 30 years. Again, as I said, the interesting part is that uh, Google uh, does not bury responsibility for the content it publishes because it doesn't publish uh, this content. It actually uh, just distributes it. That's uh, the interesting part. So Google is seen more as a distributor of content than just like a publisher. From here, you understand also why it's so difficult for Google to integrate AI into search. Because if uh, Google starts to integrate AI into search and the content is not going to be coming any longer by uh, the websites that are part of the Google network, but instead they are coming from the Google AI uh, algorithm, then this is going to be considered as new fresh content. And therefore, th that poses the question of whether Google uh, needs to be, uh, you know, um, um, 
really responsible for the content that gets published by the AI on top of its search results and therefore lose this sort of, uh, of um, uh, advantage as uh, not uh, you know being in, being in the publishing business without bearing the responsibility for the content distributed rather than instead now that the AI enters into the loop becoming responsible for the content that the AI produces. This is a key point to understand also why again Google may be slow in integrating AI behind ethical concerns and you do understand that uh, if AI gets integrated into uh, the, the Google business model without relying anymore on the content of publishers this will kill the whole ecosystem that Google has built over the years. So that's a key point to make because even when Google does offer content that is, uh, uh, that is giving direct answers to users, uh, so-called feature snippets or uh, answer at zero, whatever you want to call it, which is an answer that Google gives you based on the content that is scraped on, the si on a site, still the content is not coming directly from Google, it's actually coming from from a website. Now the interesting part is that on many other answers like for instance especially data answers Google is providing direct answers and in many cases is not providing the source meaning that most probably that data is being curated by the Google team and therefore also included into the so-called knowledge graph of Google, knowledge vault of Google but then on the other side again we can uh, ask the question if this becomes more and more prominent does Google still deserve the status of not being a publisher and therefore just being a distributor or does Google need to carry the risk and um, responsibility for the content that gets published on top of its platform? That is going to be a key turning point. Now, going back to the key point of today, how do you dismantle Google? Well, in reality, I think we need to look at the start from a very simple metric, which is called uh, the traffic acquisition uh, cost. Indeed, when we look at Google business model, a key interesting aspect here is that Google is making about $4.6 for each dollar that is spent in acquiring traffic. Indeed, you might not be aware of the fact that Google actually spend, uh, spends billions in acquiring traffic to its properties. Indeed, if we look at a metric that is called traffic acquisition cost, so the uh, money that Google spends in acquiring traffic toward these properties, uh, this is a key metric to actually understand also uh, the, the, the health of the Google business model overall. For instance, in 2022, Google spent almost uh, $14 billion in traffic acquisition cost. And uh, the interesting part is that uh, this arbitrage machine that Google is running where it brings traffic back to its properties and then it monetizes uh, many times over, so 4.6 times over uh, the, the cost of uh, bringing that traffic makes Google one of the most um, uh, you know, um, the most effective arbitrage machines of our times. However, there is one, a few things to, to, to uh, ask here. The first one is what's inside this $14 billion stack, so traffic acquisition cost? Well, let me break it down in three main elements. The first one is about revenue shares with publishers. As I explained at the beginning of this episode, Google does share a good chunk of the money that is made through uh, showing um, you know, advertising on publishers' sites, part of the Google network, to the publishers. So Google has to pay back publishers for the traffic, uh, the money that is generated through this traffic. 
Another key element of this traffic acquisition cost are the engineering activities, so all the activities that are needed to uh, keep this publishing network alive and uh, able to work at scale. And a third key element is about the deal making. Google has a, a few important deals to actually make sure that its search engine is a default search engine on a few key important platforms. For instance, Google pays hundreds of millions over the years and paid hundreds of millions over the years uh, or your royalties to Mozilla to actually being featured as a key search engine. Or for instance, another key one is that Google pays $15 billion to Apple to be the default search engine on top of uh, a billion uh, iPhones across the world. Now, the reason why I'm saying that if you want to dismantle Google business model, you want to start from its traffic acquisition cost, it's because this is the most uh, the, the part that can be attacked more easily. Why? Well, because in reality, when we look at the Google business model, one of the most valuable parts is not even necessarily the network, uh, the, the publishing network that Google has created, while this is extremely important behind uh, revenue considerations. In reality, what's really valuable about uh, Google is the mobile platform that it has built in the last uh, 15 years, which is comprised of the Android operating system, Chrome, which is the browser, Play Store, which is the marketplace, search, of course, uh, from mobile, and then other uh, application tools, like, for instance, Google Lens, that in 2023 reported over 10 billion monthly searches on Google Lens. So this is the real value, is the vertical integration on the mobile platform that Google has done successfully, which makes it a very successful company, very hard to attack. On the other side, if you are a competitor of Google, you want to dismantle its business model, it's very hard to start from here because these are so-called owned distribution, so distribution that can be killed in a much more difficult way. And instead, uh, what you want to do is uh, you want to start from, uh, you know, tackling the three elements of the traffic acquisition cost that I, I uh, really explained before. And uh, actually, uh, the one that can be attacked probably more easily is uh, the deal making, because once those deals that Google has in place will go to expiration, if you're able to put more money on the table, especially if you're Microsoft, you might be able to steal an important piece of the cake to Google. So imagine that you are Microsoft in the future. Um, you are able to uh, to be featured within Apple. But of course, there, those are all hypothetical considerations because uh, keep in mind that if you are uh, Apple in the future, you may want to make your own search engine as a default search engine within your platform, even though that might raise antitrust concerns. So there are also regulation things to take into account. Now, the interesting part is that Google has transformed anyone into a copywriter over the years. My main point here is that instead OpenAI will transform anyone into a product developer. In fact, for years, companies to get distribution over Google had to figure out how to publish content online. They had, to, they had uh, actually to build blogs. In they, indeed, right now, I think we have over half, half a billion uh, blogs around the, the world that uh, publish content, and a lot of those blogs are actually corporate uh, blogs. On the other side, instead, right now we're seeing the rise of new incentives and these incentives for companies uh, across the web. And those incentives are actually getting uh, developed around the ability to develop smart tools for users infused with OpenAI APIs. So while for Google, uh, the most important aspect to keep this ecosystem live and thrive is actually to pay $14 billion each year into traffic acquisition cost, for OpenAI, there may be actually a sort of uh, uh, a sort of uh, a cost for uh, actually incentivize more and more uh, developers and product developers to actually build those tools on top of OpenAI.
and therefore more like as a sort of incentive uh, expense that OpenAI is going to query to actually make sure that more and more people can develop on top of the uh, OpenAI APIs. So that's the quite interesting uh, aspect right now. Uh, while ChatGPT has made a lot of noise back in November 2022 and going forward, in reality the real disruption is not happening at ChatGPT level. Uh, or at, at least not just there. In reality, the real disruption is happening uh, from the OpenAI API endpoints.